I thank God for all who have led us in worship today, for all who are worshiping in person and online. We continue a sermon series this morning entitled Crosswise. And as we think on the cross of Christ, I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll read verses 18 through 31 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon today is Revelation on the Cross, the Cruciform Power of God. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What is the greatest manifestation of God's power ever. Was it when God spoke the heavens and the earth into being, bringing creation forth out of nothing? Was it when God divided the Red Sea and brought the Israelites out of Egypt, liberating them from slavery? Was it when Jesus calmed the storm? walked on water, or raised Lazarus from the grave? While all of these events involve remarkable displays of divine 
power, the greatest manifestation of God's power ever, occurred when Jesus died on the cross. The cross is where God saved the world. The cross is where God defeated the power of sin. The cross is where God conquered the power of evil. As Jesus died with his arms stretched across the crossbeam, God was flexing divine muscle. Jesus' death made up for our sins and set us right with God. It showed the strength of self-sacrificial love for our salvation. What appeared to be a criminal meeting a pitiful demise was actually Almighty God redeeming creation. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Apostle Paul says, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Christians, the cross is the essence of God's strength. But for non-Christians, the message of the cross is foolishness. The Greek word translated foolishness here is moria, from which we get the English word moron. Paul uses the same term in verse 21 to describe the foolishness of gospel preaching. Biblically speaking then, you have to be moronic in the eyes of the world to believe in the cross. You have to be absurd by human standards to put your faith in a crucified Messiah. You have to be wacky, ridiculous, nutty, crazy to be a Christian. Allow me to explain. In the first century, crucifixion was a graphic exhibition of Rome's dominance. It was a heinous and hideous method of executing criminals. First, the perpetrator was severely whipped. Then when the time for crucifixion came, his hands and feet were nailed to the beams of wood. He hung naked for several hours on public display, writhing in humiliation and agony. Finally, he died a slow and painful death due to asphyxiation, which is a type of suffocation. The Roman government used the cross to eliminate dangerous criminals and lower class crooks. Crucifixion was also a crime deterrent used to intimidate the populace. In the eyes of Rome, Jesus was a lowly carpenter who had been convicted of a capital offense. When he was crucified, he appeared to be another pathetic victim of Rome's brutal domination. 
This is why the word of the cross was a stumbling block for Jews. Many Jews expected the Messiah to be a political leader who would conquer Rome and liberate the Jewish people from Roman oppression. But Jesus did not conquer Rome. Rome executed Jesus. On top of that, the Jewish law states in Deuteronomy 21, 23, that anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. This scripture was understood to apply to crucifixion in the sense that anyone hung on a cross was under God's curse. From a Jewish perspective then, how could a man that Rome killed be the Messiah when the Messiah was supposed to deliver the Jews from Rome? And how could a man executed on a cross be God's anointed king when Holy Scripture says anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse? As for the Gentiles, the message of the cross was foolishness to them. The Greeks prized philosophy, the brand of wisdom based on sophisticated human reasoning. From their perspective, to say that a cross exhibits the power of its victim would be illogical. And to claim that the cross demonstrates God's power over all earthly authorities, including that of Rome, would be nonsense. From the perspective of Gentiles, treasured the wisdom of Socrates, Aristotle, Cicero, and the like, it would be moronic to think that a pathetic casualty of imperial supremacy was the very manifestation of divine power. Seeing Jesus hanging on the cross, most people would have said, how pitiful. But Paul said, how powerful. Paul insists that the cross of Christ displays God's power, not Rome's. According to Paul, the crucified one exhibited greater strength than the government that executed him. The Greek word translated power in verse 18 is dunamis, from which we get our English word dynamite. The cross, says Paul, is divine dynamite. The cross is God's version of explosive power. It blows up the power of sin. It demolishes the power of evil. Despite all appearances to the contrary, Paul was convinced that the cross of Christ disclosed God's strength. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25, Paul explores the revelatory dimensions of the cross. We have heard many times that Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins to reconcile us to God. Yes, yet the cross not only offers reconciliation, but also offers revelation. In other words... A part of how the cross saves us is by what it shows us. The cross shows us 
that God's power is manifest in apparent weakness. The cross shows us that God's power is expressed by self-sacrifice rather than by force. The cross shows us that God's power is demonstrated in love rather than in domination. The cross shows us that what seems to be nonsense can actually be divine wisdom. The cross is a paradox that flips conventional thinking on its head. It stands as the constant contradiction to status quo reasoning. It reverses routine strategies of perception because if God's power is displayed in apparent weakness, then things are not as they seem. In fact, things might be the opposite of what they seem. The epitome of God's power is not a leopard strutting through a jungle. It's a little lamb that was slain. The epitome of God's power is not a tank rolling over a battlefield. It's a man laying down his life in love. The epitome of God's power is not a palace with a crown that forces the masses into subjugation. It's a compassionate carpenter on a cross. At least that's what Paul would say. The image of the cross was emblazoned upon Paul's eyes. Everywhere he looked, he saw things in light of Jesus' crucifixion. Since moving to Richmond back in 2019, my family and I have enjoyed visiting the Lewis Ginter Botanical Garden, especially at Christmas time. We like to walk around the beautiful grounds and see the stunningly awesome displays of Christmas lights. The hot chocolate and the s'mores aren't too bad either. The first time we went in Christmas of 2019, I remember my daughters showed me these glasses they had discovered in the gift shop. When you put them on and look through them, all the lights look like the shape of stars. There were other pairs that you could get that made the lights look like the shape of snowflakes or the shape of Christmas trees or the shape of gingerbread men. It was fun to look through those glasses and to see all the many lights sparkling in the same shape. As Christians, it is as if we wear a pair of those glasses every day through which we see everything in the shape of a cross. The cross is the lens through which we perceive reality. The cross is not just something to understand. It is that by which all things are to be understood. This is why Paul saw the power of God in the lower class members of the Corinthian church. In verses 26 through 28, he says, Not many of the Corinthians were noble by birth. Not many of them were wise by human standards. Not many of them held influential positions in the greater society. 
There were a few Corinthian Christians with some clout, but most of them were common folk. According to Paul, God chose people with no status to show God's strength. God chose non-influential people to exert God's influence. God loves to show divine power through apparent weakness because that's when God is most likely to get the glory. We cannot boast in our brain power if true wisdom is found in foolishness. We cannot boast in our muscle if true strength is found in weakness. The glory has to go to God. I once attended a community Holy Week service in the foothills of Western North Carolina at which the special music was provided by some singers from a local developmental center for adults. This choir had about 12 people in it and each one had a disability. One man sang in a helmet Two others sang in motorized, specialized wheelchairs. The first number they sang was, Blessed be the name of the Lord. By the world's musical standards, their performance was lacking. But their passion was undeniable. And their emotional connection to the music was compelling. I spent most of the song fighting back tears. And right when they sang the last note, the whole congregation erupted in applause. It was one of those moments when you could feel the Holy Spirit taking over the whole room. To this day, it remains one of the most powerful worship experiences I have ever had. As that special choir led us in worship, God was showing cruciform power. I read some years ago about a girl named Beatrice who was born and raised in the hills of Uganda. Beatrice dreamed of getting a good education, but her family did not have enough money to send her to school. Meanwhile, across the ocean, at a church in Connecticut, some children in the congregation bought a goat through the Heifer Project, a ministry that provides farming animals for impoverished families. The goat these church children bought was delivered to Beatrice's family in Uganda. And right when it got there, it had twins. Beatrice and her siblings drank the goat milk and sold the extra milk to make money. After a while, the family had made enough money to be able to afford to send Beatrice to school. She was much older than the average first grader by then, but she was happy to be there and she quickly became the best student at the school. Beatrice went on to win a scholarship to a girls' high school in Uganda. Then she got another scholarship to a prep school in Massachusetts. And then she got another scholarship to Connecticut College where Beatrice earned her bachelor's degree. She became the first person ever from her village in Uganda to earn a college degree in the United States of America. And this remarkable 
achievement was not facilitated by the largesse of wealthy entrepreneurs. Rather, it was financed by the quarters and dimes collected by a group of church kids. As these children pulled their pocket change to buy a little goat, God was showing cruciform power. God still likes to display power in apparent weakness. If we look at this world through the lens of the cross, we will see it happen. We won't perceive things in the normal way, but we will perceive things as they really are. Bible scholar J. Paul Sampley writes, God's power is not only different from the wisdom of this world, but it is also antithetical to it. Indeed, the divine power of self-sacrificial love, the divine power displayed in apparent weakness, counters the conventional forces of this present age. Last week, a few hundred pastors in Russia spoke out against the war in Ukraine through an open letter that was published. According to journalist Jason Casper, the letter was signed by mostly Russian Baptists and Pentecostals affiliated with churches or seminaries in Moscow, St. Petersburg, and more than 40 other cities. As believers, the letter declared, we assess what is happening as a grave sin of fratricide, the sin of Cain who raised his hand against his brother Abel. The letter continued, if we really want to rely on spiritual values, now it is extremely important to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Put your sword in your sheath, for he who takes the sword will perish by the sword. Finally, the letter from these Russian pastors boldly proclaimed, we need to repent for what we have done First of all, before God, and then before the people of Ukraine, we must give up lies and hatred. We call on the authorities of our country to stop this senseless bloodshed. While Russia's military is exerting brute force, these Russian pastors are the ones exhibiting real power. These everyday ministers, fellow Baptists, many of them, are showing self-sacrificial love for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia by risking imprisonment and possibly worse in order to speak out with a gospel witness against war and bloodshed. These pastors are not oligarchs, nor are they governing officials nor are they higher-ups in the official Russian Orthodox Church. They are small change in terms of worldly influence. Some might say it's foolish for them to speak out due to the consequences they will surely bear, but they are articulating the wisdom of God. Some might say they have no influence to really change anything, but they are manifesting the power of God. 
They are proclaiming the message of the cross, the word of Christ, the way of salvation in a world that desperately needs it. Their message is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of Almighty God. Amen.